welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, um, so Philippians chapter 1, we have been in this first chapter for the last couple weeks as sort of a mini-series, and we've talked about grace and peace. Paul begins the chapter, or the, the letter, and many of his letters with this idea of grace and peace, and the importance of these two words as sort of cornerstones, if you will, bookends of the Christian life, and what it means to be people of grace and peace. Um, last week, we looked at Paul's prayer for the church, which was that love would overflow out of the people's lives, that they would have experienced something in Christ, the love of God in Christ, and then that that love would overflow into their lives, their work, their vocations, their schools, their communities. Um, And Paul prayed that they would be able to discern, right, to navigate the nuanced world that they lived in, and then also that they'd be filled with the fruit or the, the product of what happens when you're in right relationship with each other and with God. So this morning, we're going to pick up this one verse, uh, verse 27, that I happen to think um, Paul wrote just for me on this day when I'm leaving for three months for a sabbatical. Like, you can't draw that up any better, right? Like, Paul writes and he says, here's what I pray for, here's what I hope, and this beautiful sort of um, encouragement to this church that he planted. So he teed it up for me, and I want to look at that. Um, Before we do a little background, remember, um, Philippians is a letter to a church plant. Paul started this church, right, in 49 AD in Acts chapter 16. We, we, we here read the account of Paul making his way to Philippi for the first time and meeting this woman named Lydia and her family being baptized and that being the beginning of this church. Later, in about 60 or 65, somewhere in there, likely from Rome, Paul writes this letter. We know he's in prison because in chapter 1 he mentions three different times that he's in chains. And we know that the Philippians know where he is because later in the book, in chapter 4, he mentions a guy named Epaphroditus. You can write that down if you're pregnant. That's a good name. Epaphroditus is sent by the church of Philippi to bring Paul supplies and resources because if you were in prison, you were kind of left to your own devices. And so people would support folks who were in prison. Um, And so the church of Philippi has done this, and Paul is very grateful for that. Just before verse 27, Paul talks about to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he's going back and forth between this sort of conversation around, like, to live is, is Christ, like, to have this relationship with God and to be a person in the world who's uh, speaking about the gospel is one thing, but to die is also gain. And so he's kind of going back and forth, like, do I stay, do I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Maybe that's where the, the song came from. I don't know. But he says then to the Philippians, listen, whether I'm with you or whether I'm absent from you, right? This teed it up for me. Whether I'm with you or whether I'm absent, I want, I hope, I pray that I hear the reports from the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the social medias of this little church in Philippi doing these great things for the gospel. He says, I hope I hear the reports because you've been doing these three things. So what are those three things? The first one is, he says, I hope and I pray that I would hear the reports because you've conducted yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, what's Paul saying? For the Philippians, they lived in a bizarre time where there were all kinds of things going on, similar to our time, I would argue. There were syncretism. There was this idea of lots of different options in terms of what you might believe in or spiritual practices you might participate in. Um, there was the Roman emperor cult the, the emperors of Rome would die and then they would sort of deify them and they would worship them as gods. And so when a son of one of those people were born, they would call that person the son of God, which is why Jesus' 
so controversial because people were saying, this is the son of God, not those people, but there's the emperor cult and the Roman bit. There was like the Egyptian influence. So if you do any um, world religion study, Isis was one of the Egyptian gods. There's a whole bunch of other ones. Those are all on the table. There's the pantheon of Greek gods like Zeus and Hercules and Dionysus, right? Just a plethora of options. It was like, it was like a buffet, like old country buffet, but gods. You know what I'm saying? So syncretism, that's there. Sexually, it was a crazy time to live in the world. Um, the, the culture around sex was very much influenced by the Greek, the ancient Greek ideas about sexuality. And that was really stood at odds with a Jewish understanding of sexuality and a growing Christian understanding of what it means to live out your own sexuality. So the church had to navigate, how do we do this, right? Very similar to our time and our day and age, I would argue. And then, of course, there was social and political things like who takes care of the poor, who like, um, advocates for the marginalized. Should it be the government or should it be the church? Should it be Rome or should it be something else, right? These are all things that we have going on in our lives. Why do I say all this? Paul says, live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. What's he saying? Essentially, live your life in such a way that it becomes the basis for anything you might say about the good news of God and Jesus. Said differently, don't undercut the message of the gospel with your lives. Church, don't speak about the love of God and then act like idiots. Don't talk about the love of God and the hope of God and the grace of God and then be really mean-spirited and petty. Am I preaching? So Paul says, live your lives in a manner worthy of the good news about Jesus. May your actual lives be your defense of the gospel. There's a word called apologetics. It's to defend something. So Christians talk about the defense of the gospel, the defense of the good news about Jesus. Let your very life be your defense, your statement about the gospel. I think St. Francis once said, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. Right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer in post-World War II wrote about the German Lutheran Church. And he said essentially that the German Lutheran Church lost its right to proclaim the good news about Jesus because of their unwillingness and inability to stand against Nazi Germany. So when the church doesn't act like the church, but they live lives that undercut the gospel, it has an impact on the proclamation of the good news. Do you see what I'm saying? So when the church speaks about the love of God and talks about the love of God, but acts like idiots, no one listens. So Paul says, live your life worthy of the gospel, that it might be a defense of the good. It's the basis. Let it support anything you might say about God. Because whatever you say about God, if your life isn't congruent with that, well, that's called hypocrisy. It's not recommended for anyone, really, but especially if you're trying to convince someone of something, right? So Paul says to the church in Philippi, my friends, live your life in such a way that you become the good news, that your life is the support for anything you might say about the good news of God. So awaken, as I'm away on sabbatical, and as I'm resting and trying to step out of this space for a season, it would give me no greater joy than to hear little blips 
you know, on the grams and the Facebooks and from friends and whatnot, that the community called Awaken is living their lives in a manner worthy of the good news of the gospel. That, for me, would be payday. Paul goes on and he says, not only that you would do that, but that you would be standing firm as one spirit and mind. Now, in the, new, in the NIV, they only say as one spirit. I'm not sure why. I actually was reading the text this morning in a mic check, and I was like, oh my gosh, they don't even say mind. Why? So then I had to go back at the original. I'm like, no, it's there. Suke and pneuma. You may have heard these phrases, pneuma, before. It's where we get pneumonia. I think I actually might have it. <laughs> but pneuma and suke, or psyche. Does that one ring a bell, right? Soul, pneuma. Spirit, wind, breath is the definition. And suke, or psyche, um, like the soul, the essence, the seat of one's being. Paul says, I pray that you would live lives worthy of the gospel and that you would be standing firm with one pneuma and suke. What's he saying? Paul's hope is that the church gathered in Philippi, and my hope is that the church gathered on West 7th and, and East over in Maplewood, that Awaken would be standing firm, resolute, steadfast. Have you ever met somebody where they're kind of like, you, would, you might describe them as shifty? Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're just kind of like, you, you never kind of know. Like, but then you meet somebody and they're like, resolute. Isn't that the desk in the White House, the resolute desk, something like that? The difference between those two things, right? Resolute is like you are square to whatever's in front of you. It's the ready position for a hockey player, right? Feet shoulder width apart, knees bend, you know, butt over your knees. You're ready for anything. You're resolute, Paul says. I pray that you would be resolute, standing firm, feet planted on the ground with one pneuma, one suke, one pneuma, one spirit, one breath, one wind. That you as a community would have one animating force that would be blowing through you together into the world, into the towns that you live in. One spirit, as it were, the resurrected Jesus. And also that you would be of one mind, one soul, one nephesh in the, in the Hebrew. Nephesh is what gets translated soul. And it talks about the Israelites often as one nephesh singular. So here's a whole body of thousands of people, but they're talked about as one singular nephesh. Like almost as if they were one body. Oh, I think Paul actually talks about that later, right? That the church would be the body of Christ. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you or I don't need you, right? That you would operate as one unit, one body. So Paul's prayer, that you would live lives worthy of the gospel, that you would be standing firm, resolute, with one mind and one body, one spirit, one, one pneuma and one suke. And then, apologize for the snot there, that you would be striving together for the faith of the, or the, for faith in, about the good news of Jesus. Um, my family and I live on Harmon Park over in West St. Paul, and in the winter, this last winter, they did on one of the, it was perfect, like one of the snow events that we did have, they had this like outdoor winter fest. It was so fun. So the hockey rink's open, and the kids are playing, and they're doing like shuffleboard games, and they got like big, you know, cauldrons of fire and food and whatnot, and the St. Paul Vulcans, can I just stop for a second? If, if there are any people who volunteer to be a part of the St. Paul Vulcans, I am sorry but I think they gotta go. 
Has any of you seen the Vulcans? Like when they show up to something, it's like, who are these people? Like grown men dressed in like devil suits asking to give children rides on their merry-go-round? That's problematic on so many levels, you guys, right? On their like wagon, literally. We're like, where are the kids? They're like, oh, I think the Vulcans took them for a ride around the neighborhood. This is so bizarre. But the Vulcans were there. You remember that. That's not even the point of my story. But they did show up. At this winter event where the St. Paul Vulcans did show up, there were also dog sled rides. Have you ever seen like a dog sled, like a legit team of dogs that do the, you know, Alaskan Iditarod dog sledding bit? So there's a guy who's the captain, musher, whatever, he's in the sled. And then there are like seven animals, seven dogs, all harnessed. And they've got this like claw, like emergency brake, you know, on a Honda Civic. <laughs> claw goes in and the dogs are just chomping at the bit. They are like trying to go, 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 go. So we put the kids on the sled. Again, why we do these things, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. And then the guy, literally the guy who's the musher, I mean, he is just he is classic, like big, huge beard with like icicles coming off of his beard and the big hat, like had to be named Sven, I swear to you. Sven goes, you know, and the dogs, pulls up the brake and the dogs all begin to run in the same direction and they start pulling the sled around the deal and the kids are just gleefully, you know, they're loving it. Have you ever watched a group of animals or a group of people all work together for one common goal? It's really quite beautiful, isn't it? Like these dogs, they're all harnessed and they're all going the same direction. They're all doing the same thing, which is just running. That's like they're made for that. But when a group of people are like committed to an idea and they're all moving in the same direction, man, you can make some headway. You know what I'm talking about? Paul says that the church, he prays that the church would be striving together in one like for the faith of the gospel. That's in the Greek. (laughs) So what's the goal? What are we rallying around? What's the thing? What's the flag in the ground that we're saying, like, this is what we're about? Awaken exists to partner with God in the renewal of all things. What do we mean by that? We mean that according to the Bible, it seems that God is up to something. We call this the mission of God. The, part, or the, the renewal, the restoration, the redemption of all things, that everything that God made and called good, God wants back and has made a way by which that can be in and through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. So then, if that's what God is up to, then God in God's wisdom or folly, I'm not quite sure, asks a group of people to participate in that. That's what the church is, gang. So the church is only a response to the divine invitation to be about the renewal, redemption, restoration of all things in whatever that looks like in your life. So grand 30,000 foot level, every church on the planet is about this mission. So at Awaken then, what does that look like? Well, we wanna create a safe space for people to wrestle with faith and life and God and ask questions with Jesus at the center. So we've said this, the well is very small. It's the life, death, teachings, resurrection of Jesus the Christ. When we disagree on non-essentials, we come back to this well, we come around this well, we get life from this well, and we trust the spirits with us. That's the kind of community we wanna be. We wanna be a group of people who serve and love our neighbors so winsomely that the gospel has a hearing in our day. Come on now. 
that your lives would be so compelling that the gospel, the good news about God in the world would actually be interesting for people to hear. That's what we want. We want to serve and love each other so well that when people look in, they go, how does that work? Right? This is what the early church was about. They loved each other so well, they, they called it the love feast, the agape feast. People had all kinds of theories about what these people were up to, as you can only imagine, right? I'm going to the love feast. How about you? See you there. But they lived questionable lives. Lives that were so out of the ordinary, filled with grace and mercy and justice and hope that people had to know what was going on at the love fest. It's not the love shack, baby. It's the love fest. We want to be people marked by generosity and abundance. That's why we read this liturgy. It's not because we have nothing better to do. We want that to actually form us as people because we've experienced that kind of generosity from God. We want to engage in justice and inequity when we find it in the world because we believe that all humanity, anyone who bears the image of God, is worthy of love and belonging. That should be getting a lot of hallelujahs and amens. This is what we want. This is the kind of community we want to be. It's to this end that we pull together, right? Striving together for the good news about Jesus. So, I'm so tired. What does this mean, awaken, as I bid you adieu for a season and step back? I recognize that I maybe take up a little bit of space in the room. And I hope and pray that as I step out of this space, that you all, in ways you didn't even see coming maybe, step into it and begin to engage and serve and, and, and participate together as a community so that I hear the reports of this group of people living lives worthy of the gospel, standing together with one soul and spirit and pulling for one common goal. So a couple of practical things as I go. Number one, please don't check out. Please don't check out. Now more than ever, Awaken needs each other and needs you. If you're new around here, man, this is, this, if I could be so bold as to say this may be the divine voice speaking to you, like engage. If you're not yet with your passions and your talents and your resources and your money, engage. If you believe in this community and what it's about, then stop consuming, stop sitting on the sidelines and get involved. We're, I believe this church, if I come back, and you all are scattered to the winds to the newest thing that tickles your ears or your spiritual fancies, I will have failed you miserably. But I don't believe that's what this church is, and I don't believe that's who you are. So prove it to me. Prove it to each other that God is continuing to invite you to participate in the good work of redemption, restoration, and renewal, even if I'm not here. <laughs> prove it to me. Paul, when he writes his letter to the, second, to the Corinthians the second time, they want to send a gift back to Jerusalem, and they're like, we're the most generous people in the world. We want to give to this, this, and la, 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 la. And Paul's like, prove it to me. May your words about generosity be consistent with your actual lives. Prove it to me. So, church, I believe that Awaken is a missional, healthy, Jesus community in the world doing things and serving one another. Surprise me. Actually, don't surprise me. Yes. Do that. Be what I think you are. 
and surprise me. Like, go further. If I'm not here, imagine new things, develop new things, create new spaces, chart new paths. Go, go, go. Be the church. Maybe that's what I'll end with. Be the church that I know you are. Keep loving each other. I'm going to actually invite the band to come on up. We usually end with silence, but they're, they're, they're up next. So you guys, that's your cue. If that wasn't subtle enough. I need you up here now. Be the church that I know and believe that you are. Some people ask me sometimes, they're like, Micah, if you could do anything and it wasn't be a pastor, what would you do? Which is a fascinating question to think about, right? I mean, this is the only thing I've ever done for 20-some years of my life, vocationally. I've only done church ministry. But I've thought about that, and I've been like, you know, I think I could do sales. <laughs> but I have this, like, arresting suspicion that I couldn't do it if I didn't believe in it and if people didn't need what I was selling. For me to, like, sell something, I have to believe in it and that people actually need it. And I am in sales, right? Like I stand up here every single Sunday and I'm selling something. I am advocating to you to consider what I'm saying. I'm inviting you to participate in this life that I'm speaking about. Why? Because I believe in it. I believe in the good news about Jesus in the world. I believe that the world needs to hear more and more with people's lives and voices how good and great and gracious and loving and just and hopeful God actually is. I believe that. And I believe in you as a church. I, t I meet with pastors all the time and I hear them complain and I'll, I could use a different word but we're in church about their congregations all the time. And I sit back and I sit quietly and I'm like, I hate to be the killjoy here, but I really love my church. These people are incredible. They're amazing. Like, my, one of my greatest joys and honors in life has been to be the pastor of this church. I believe in you. And I believe in this community in the world. Doing what God has called and invited us to do. And so as I bid you adieu, I would say this. Keep going. Keep loving. Keep sacrificing. Keep laying down your life for your neighbor and even your enemy. Because it's that which will lead us home. It's that which will bring life. Keep challenging each other to think deeply and more maturely. Keep living as one body, one breath, one spirit, animated by the spirit of God among you and in you as you blow through this city and in your homes and in your neighborhoods and in your workplaces. Keep doing and being the church that I believe you are. I'm gonna offer a word of prayer. And then we're gonna sing two songs as we close. One of them, it's like it was written for us this morning. It's called Be the Church. And it's a prayer, it's a hope, it's a declaration. Like we wanna be this kind of church. And we wanna be about peace. Wholeness, flourishing, delight for the whole world or anyone close to us that we have effect on. So pray with me and then I'll invite you to sing and to stand and sing together. God, as we uh, close our time together, um, we turn our attention to 
this invitation that you've given to follow you, but then also to be partnered with you in the good work of redemption and restoration and renewal of all things, of me, of us, of our world. And so, God, as we stand on the brink of this new season and this uncertain moment, I pray that you would remind us that we are called, that we are loved, that you have purpose for us um, in each of our roles in this community. And so, would you give us the courage to stand up resolutely with one breath and one spirit, one body, to pull together for this common work that you've called us to, to be the church, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.